Welcome to Get a Grip with Max Homa and Shane Bacon, a production of iHeartRadio. Sports fans, golf fans, or just fans, welcome to Get a Grip with Max Homa and Shane Bacon. I'm Shane Bacon. Max, a great week last week at the Memorial. I know uh, maybe the last nine holes weren't exactly what you'd hoped for, but I, I'd say top tens are top tens, you know, especially after a couple of weeks off. Yeah, it was uh, it was an awesome week. It was uh, big. I think Joe said it best. It was kind of a breakthrough for us. I really didn't hit the ball well on um, Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. Um, I I told you know I told Mark he was out there, my coach, and told Joe you know my short game and my putting feel quite good, but my ball striking was just not there. Especially my driver and three wood and that rough was obviously nuts. And Wednesday it was raining, and we spent like two hours hitting balls in the rain. Um, and I felt like I did a good job of not being super emotional about it. I was just trying to, you know, I was trying to be as uh, rational and like even keeled as I could and just talk through it. Mark went through some great stuff. We talked about some, you know, uh, mechanical things we could work on. Uh, but for the most part, we were really trying to focus on, I, I was, I was, I've been saying it for a couple months now, at least, you know, in my head or, or to Lacey or, or, you know, some of my closest buddies, I guess that I'm kind of, I think like the jump to the next level for where I'm at is being able to, as I probably mentioned on this podcast is like kind of going with what Justin Thomas has said a few times and all the best guys seem to be able to do this is, you know, play or feel not great and still be competitive. Right. Um, that's the stuff I have not been good at. Um, mostly because my short game just hasn't been, super reliable but other things just mental stuff just like you know kind of thinking I'm going to need to you know hit it great to succeed because that's how I've succeeded in the past and I thought it was actually pretty cool to hit the ball and sit in the rain and I you know kind of looked at Mark and I was like I'm excited for this opportunity I'm glad I know on Wednesday that I think you know it's going to be a bit of a struggle because I think I'm going to try and play golf more than play golf swing Okay. which has been, um, I'm sure Joe would be the perfect person to note, you know, point out that that's one of my big issues. So, um, yeah, I found that I was hitting my irons well by the end of Wednesday, and but I was driving it poorly. And, and um, you know, I, but, but Joe made this great point. He's like, you're only missing your driver right. He's like, so don't try to draw it. Let's go back. You know, let's just only hit the cut again. As, you know, we, we've been doing for the most part, but every once in a while when I drive it well, I'll start work, working it both ways. And he's like, just, you know, play that right miss. And basically we had a really good game plan for the course. We played to where the bunkers would be our misses off the tee because the rough was just so bad. And that first day on Thursday, you know, I went around and I, I played a lot of shots up the left side of fairways and I'd kind of almost push them back into the fairway. Um, and, you know, we would miss it in the right spots and, and, I, I wore out my iron game. I obviously put it really well last week. Um, but, you know, as I probably mentioned, like that's where I feel like I can get going. So wasn't shocked. I, I just felt like that Thursday round was really fun in that manner as far as growing up as, uh, you know, the golfer I would like to become. And uh, after, Mark was still there. He ended up leaving. I didn't see him Friday, but we went on the range. And, again, like just a logical, rational, like explanation of what was going on and just told him, you know, I was, pumped with it but I, I obviously need to hit a little better and then we had a really good range session that Thursday afternoon and I felt really good about where my swing was at all of a sudden um, you know obviously wasn't perfect but definitely moving in the right direction I was in a bit of a lull with the ball striking at times you know PGA I hit it 
really well, but still had some stuff to clean up. I obviously had a bat at Wells Fargo and even, you know, the weeks prior, it, it was kind of hit and miss. So felt like I at least got the feeling back. So that was fun. And that just kind of felt like growing up a bit um, and, and trying to build towards being a, you know, top tier player. Uh, and, and I think it, it was a, like I said, it, I learned that, you know, I, I, even when I'm hitting the ball, well, I need to go into the rounds and each week uh, understanding that, you know, whatever swing you have or whatever, it feels like you got to find something that's going to work and just wear it out. And I did. And, you know, as the week went on, I hit it, uh, you know, better and better. It was a disappointing Sunday because I, I got off to the start I needed to, and I just faded. I so I got a little tired. I don't know what it was. Um, you know, walking around that soft ground was tough. It was a really difficult golf course. I talked to a lot of guys about how draining it was, and, and I don't know. I made a bad swing on 10 from the fairway, and ever, after that I just couldn't hit the ball solid, really. My best shot I hit, I had two, basically only two good shots coming in, one on 16, one on 18 that actually missed the green. But um, I just, like, didn't have it. But, again, just kind of pieced it together. Got six. It was, you know, it was cool. It was a big event. I, I was proud. You know, I played three of the, um, what is it called, the elevated status events and gotten top 10 in all of them at R Riviera, uh, Bay Hill, and uh, at Memorial. So that was cool. But that, like I said, I think it was a, it was a big learning week, especially going into a, you know, a major where you're, you know, you're not going to beat the golf course really. So it was fun to see that. I think that's what Joe's kind of been pining for a bit more. And it was nice to finally uh, do it because I'm, I'm really bad at that. I, I, I'm the guy who's, you know, you've even mentioned it, Shane, like how, how you go, you're like, oh man, I'm not hitting it well. And it's like, you know, you kind of let that overtake you a bit. And right. instead I was right. like, all right, well, if you're not, like, how do we go about still winning? Like, how do we still compete in this golf tournament? And, you know, like I said, having Joe there and pointing that out about the driver, I was like, okay, I could play this little thing and, and see what, what happens. I can hit some bad shots, but as long as they end up in good spots, we can work our way through that. And then, as you know, we're all the, you know, the best players in the world as the week goes on, you're going to find something. And, uh, you know, Thursday afternoon, find it a little better and then played, I thought a really solid three rounds, you know, some ups, some downs, but for the most part felt like I had pretty good control over everything. Um, so that was, that was fun. I, I really, last week I really enjoyed it. So of course I'm probably going to play well on for a while. It really suits my eye. Um, so it was kind of a, a benefit to have that, but, um, it was, you know, it was just a, you know, I, I was going to have a hard time catching that lead on Sunday and I gave myself the chance early, but, you know, made a, you know, dumb mistake on nine really. And, and then it kind of blew that, but at least I, I hung in there and didn't let it kind of kill the week. Yeah. A couple of things from that first, uh, did you feel when you were on the range on Wednesday, grinding in the range, did you feel like that tiger commercial from back in the day? <laughs> a little bit. Do you remember Apparently, that one? It was kind of funny, man. Yeah, I felt like that a little. I've always liked practicing in the rain just okay. for the sheer mental fact that I look around and not a single person was out there <laughs> uh, with me here and there, which is the good and bad. Uh, my physio, you know, Edward, my physiotherapist, he kind of was like, oh, we were wondering if you're ever going to come in. And I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, just not hitting it well, but trying to figure it out. But sometimes I'm a lot more emotional and kind of like grumpy. In that case, I was working through it, I thought, pretty calmly. Um, I felt bad for Joe. He was just kind of standing there. <laughs> what um, what do you do? Funny too, because like, do you put your rain ahead. do you put your rain gear on like your rain gloves, or do you just kind of no, like tough through I was it? Just banging it. Okay, that's so <laughs> sweet. I love that. Uh, I uh, I you know people would come and kind of stand behind me on the range, like the fans or whatever, and then they <laughs> file in and out, and that was kind of funny. 
And I was wondering kind of in my head, you know, people are probably thinking, man, this guy's, you know, really struggling. I was almost <laughs> taking that uh, uh, positive approach to it being like, man, these people, you know, or, or people walking by me on the range that are playing, you know, anybody who's just sitting there in the range probably not having the best. And I was like, I'm going to figure out a way to win this golf tournament. Um, and that's, like I said, that's where the good, uh, mental side came. Apparently I didn't see it, but apparently Steph Curry watched for a minute, which probably wasn't my finest moment. I would have liked a better <laughs> moment. I didn't see him, but apparently that, that was some, but it was good. You know, I, I think if, if that would have happened on Thursday, I think I would have been a lot more shocked. I think having it on Wednesday and being able to look Mark in the eyes and say, you know, if I, you know, I, I've been telling myself one better, I'm one of the better players out here and, and I shouldn't have to be perfect. So let's figure out a way to win this thing. Uh, to actually finally like think that way is really cool. Uh, like I said, I needed to put that even more into play when I'm playing well. Um, but that was good. That was the first. That was the first week I've had where I feel like I really didn't uh, have it early in the week, and and I made it. I made it work. So that was that was a, a yeah. But hitting balls in the rain is not fun. But there's something about that mental looking around, being like, all right, nobody's out here doing this probably for 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 the better for them but it sometimes feels good yeah it, it's funny i i've done things like that in my life for, you know you get up early go to the gym or you go run in bad weather do something and you and i'm i feel that too in my mind dude sometimes when you do that and you go i know nobody else wants to do this so i'm getting one step closer to whatever the goal is you're trying to accomplish because you're taking it on when it really sucks outside. It's like how I used to hike Camelback when it was 115. You know, it's like yeah. let's get out there I was and just do about this. To say that like you've done the you've done the heat hikes. I pra- like even today like I practice in the heat. I always tell people that the part of summer I like living the the, the reason I like living here kind of in the summer at least the part that I trick myself is I always say this separates you know the men from the boys as far as the men's golf game goes. Where it's like, I know you guys don't want to be out here in 105, and I'm going to sit out here and, and almost use it as like a little bit of fuel. Um, you know, I my dad used to always joke that when it, you know, it never rains in California, but when it would rain, I'd like run to the golf course so I could go actually practice in the rain. I've always, like you just mentioned, I've always liked having that. And, you know, even on, uh, I've always seen like weird success after that happens, almost like it's obviously probably mental, but you almost like get yourself in that headspace that you're not going to let anything bug you. But, um, you know, even after the wedding, I went to CVF baby's wedding last week and obviously, you know, I played golf one day, but it wasn't exactly, <laughs> wasn't exactly, uh, you know, a sober <laughs> focus prep round. And yeah, but I woke up, you know, on uh, what day did we fly out Monday? I woke up at five on Monday. I went and practiced for two hours before I left. I, I like doing those little things sometimes just to kind of, I feel like it's an edge, you know, even if it's not, I just feel like that's the stuff, you know, like you mentioned, going to the gym earlier or hiking, you know, when it's a million degrees outside, it just, you feel like, you know, they always say, if you want to do something, no one else has done, you got to, you got to, uh, if you want to accomplish something, no one else has done, you got to do stuff. No one, no one does. So like, I try to do that here and there. And in that case, I would have rather not practice in the rain, but I needed to get some, some extra work in and it was raining. So it's just cause like, you kind of got to do it. I am so proud of you, by the way, for mentioning Stevie F. Baby on the podcast. You did it last week, and you had a good finish. I'm not sure which follower pointed this out a while back. It seems like every time his name's mentioned, we're getting close to the U.S. Open. I know it's in California. I know it's at a place that you've played, so that's good to know. By the way, third in strokes game putting last week, which I thought was cool. And I know you had a new – do you have a new putter in there, or did you have a new, a new old putter in there? No, it's the new version. It's the new Scotty. So it's it's the one. It's the same basically head I won with at Wells Fargo, and it's like called the five and a half or five point five. And um, it's but it's this. It's the new like 
face of the one I was just using, the 11, uh, Phantom 11.5, I think. So I don't love uh, inserts, and this putter didn't have an insert and hadn't been putting great. I don't really personally love putting with big – I've always wanted to use a blade. And, right. um, but I've been using bigger putters for the last couple of years, and that one is, is bigger, and, and I felt like you know the honeymoon phase was kind of over with it, and I wanted to switch to something else. But I was like, well, what are you going to switch to? Because I don't even – I didn't love – they insert in my last one. And then I really, you know, obviously thinking back on, it, I was like, well, they have this new one that doesn't have an insert and it's, it's my favorite putter I think I've ever had. I know, you know, recency bias or whatever, but it just feels incredible. It matches the two things I like with putting, you know, the, the swing of the bigger head with the feel uh, off the face of, uh, of the blades I've got at my house. So yeah, so it was a good, you know, maybe this is the honeymoon phase, who knows, but I, I really like this thing. Um, but yeah, it was a really good putting week. I think I only missed a handful of putts inside 10 feet. Uh, I've been working really hard on the stroke and stuff. So it, it was good to see that you also want that coming into a big event where it's really hard to putt <laughs> at Torrey, you know, it's one of the harder places to roll the ball. Well, so that was a good uh, bonus and, you know, short game finally kicked into gear a little bit. Um, so it yeah, it was just, uh, you know, sometimes it all just kind of lines up a little bit. Yeah. The other thing I was going to take away from kind of your initial take away from the week at the Memorial was when you were saying, you know, you were missing it one way and Joe's telling you to play it. To everybody out there, just remember that you know one of the top fifty best golfers on planet Earth uh, played what he's what the miss is that week. So do that yourself when you're playing yeah, golf. If you're hitting do. it right or you're hitting it left, and that's all you're doing on the range, just go out there and play that shot that day because obviously that's what the swing's doing. Exactly. It's just like it's such so remedial and obvious, but it's like so hard to do. I, I was telling somebody, it's like I'm, I'm told, you know, we're the best players in the world. We should be able to hit any shot, but it's like. Some days we don't, but it's like you have this <laughs> ego about you. I have to hit this draw on this hole. And, you know, I even asked Joe on 11 on Saturday. It was blowing off the left, and 11's is par 5, water down the left, bunkers up the right with really thick rough. And I was like, what do you think? I was swinging it well. And I was like, what do you think about the draw here? But I just hit a couple of good cuts in a row with the wind off the left, right in the middle of the fairway. I just played it way, you know, I started it way left. And he's like, dude, I, I don't like the draw. He goes, I want you to tee it up over here hit it over the tree, like into the water and then cut it off the water basically. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. Like he's right. Like why, why am I getting an ego about this? So I, I teed it up and I just sent it out into the middle of the, the, uh, uh, what's it called? The Creek down the left and just hit a big old fade. And I mean, Colin Morikawa did it right before I did, you know, obviously that's his shot. And, um, he hit it right down the middle. So it's like, yeah, just own the shot you've got. But, yeah, it's so obvious, but sometimes it's so hard to do because you see what you're supposed to do, and it's like why, you know, you know, you want to be the guy that can do that every time, but it's just as cool to just hit your shot and own that. And, um, you know, obviously having someone like Joe on the bag to help me, uh, you know, kind of answer that question when I ask, it's like, you know, yeah, duh, you're, you're right. Let's play the one that's working. <laughs> so you initially started talking and you said this kind of next phase, right? It, 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 I think you, you're feeling it. I felt it. You know, people that watch golf, people that follow you, they felt it over the last, I'd say, year-ish. I think probably the start of, of 2009, or 2020, you had that great run on the West Coast. It was just very consistent. I know you didn't play great you know, in the return to golf, but then you kind of started getting going in, in, in early 2021. And it's just felt like, you know, you've kind of been around the leaderboard a lot, especially on the weekend. What is it like personally to feel that? Because for me, I, it's funny, Cindy asked me a couple of nights ago, we were sitting around and she goes, you know, when you started doing this thing with Max, did, did you think he was going to kind of get here where he's, 
in featured groups and he's famous, you know, I mean, I know you were famous before, but you know what I mean? And I said, well, you know, I mean, I was, I mean, I could see it. I was hoping it would happen, but you know, who the heck knows? I mean, I'm just rooting for a buddy of mine to have a good week and have a good year and see where things go. What's it like living it where you start to feel and see the interest and the fame for lack of a better term and your golf game producing these results week after week. It's not just one week that you play well. What's it like to kind of live that where you're seeing the rating of who you are go up? Yeah, it's really fun. I mean, I, I, you know, talked about this, I think when we first started the podcast that I have like, you know, I've had a, I've had more uh, clout with the golf community than my game should have represented because of social media. And that's been cool. But, you know, as someone like myself who kind of thinks too much, I, I, I recognize that a little too much. and I don't just embrace it. I like, you know, I, I, I feel almost bad sometimes when my golf game doesn't like stand up to the test. I mean, shoot, I'm part of like three guys on the part of my take golf crew and the other two, you know, Brooks has won multiple majors and he's one of the best players in the world. And Will Zaltoris has obviously just been unbelievable. And I definitely, you know, have had my more ups and downs than they have. And it feels odd, but at the same time, I feel like, you know, in, in a good way, my golf game is catching up quite quickly. Right. And it's been cool. I mean, playing that Saturday group with two people I really like, but that are kind of like my, my mini heroes in the game of golf people. I look up to Colin and, and Xander, um, you know, I felt like it was kind of a big spot. Um, it was an interesting leaderboard in the sense that a lot of those guys are the people that are going to be on the Ryder Cup team or fighting for a spot, and I'm fighting for a spot. I'm on the outside looking in, but it felt like one of those kind of moments for me where it's like, well, if you want to be in this crew, you better get in this crew. You know, you better start to walk the walk a little bit. Um, but it was fun playing well, hanging in there. Obviously, Colin blew us out of the water, but hanging in there and, and even having – you know, so many people cheering for me uh, too, while I'm playing with those two guys was like a different uh, feeling. Usually, you know, you kind of get swept up. I remember playing with Rory at Wells Fargo and I, I can't, I can't remember more than a handful of people, you know, personally shouting at me. So it's good <laughs> to have that. It, it's really, I really appreciate it, but it's also like, I guess, you know, a bit of a testament to playing better and, right. and people understanding that, you know, you, you fit in here a bit better. I have a quote, it has a bad word in it. So if you're a kid, just mute it. But uh, I shared it on my buddy uh, Mike's podcast, uh, the You Never Know podcast. It was um, it was from Peaky Blinders, and it says, you know, walk like a king, or walk like a, or walk like you don't give a fuck who the king is. And I just kept telling myself that. Uh, I tell myself that like almost every morning now, um, because I do have this tendency, and Mark's pointed out where I kind of slump and I and I almost go into like a shell. And it's like, dude, even if you don't hit this ball well right here, you're gonna walk off this tee like you're the king or that you don't care who's winning and you're just going to go be you and have your, you know, rate, keep your head high and do all this stuff. And it's amazing how wherever you end up hitting it, first off, you hit more good shots, but second off you, you approach the next shot, like you're the man anyway. So that's been fun, but it's, it's helped a lot by the, the crowd and knowing that I'm not just like a kind of a peon out there. I'm not just a, a guy, people, people actually cheering me on and, and, and they, it really boosts like the morale at times. Um, in a way and gets me excited to, to go out there and, and kind of compete. And, and, you know, obviously it's an entertainment sport. So like entertain a bit and, and to be able to hang in there and play some good golf and not make a you know, mess of things as I've done, you know, years prior, it, it's good. I feel, I just like, I, I know I say it all the time, but like, this is how I felt in college a bit more that 
if I played well, I'd play well. And for a while in professional golf, I didn't really feel that. So for the last two, three years, especially this year, I felt like if I go out there and I play decent, like I'm, I'm giving myself a chance and it's fun getting really comfortable with your name up on the leaderboard and not freaking out. Um, and, and I, I'm seeing that more and more, even Sunday, you know, going out there needed to make a run and I get on a run early and it doesn't feel crazy. It just feels like I'm playing golf and um, obviously didn't close it off. Uh, you know, great. But just like knowing that that's still in there or that, 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 that's an option was, is cool. And it just, you just get more and more comfortable. More than half your starts this year. Top 25s is pretty sweet. I mean, that again, you talk about, yeah, you can, nice. you can talk about golf games and we can hear you talk about it, but just looking at numbers, right? It's, it's the results are there. Let's take a break to tell you about our friends at Rap Soto. They make a mobile launch monitor that's the only golf launch monitor that provides instant feedback with video replay, an active shot tracker, and data overlay. What does that tell you? Well, it tells you everything you need to know about your golf swing. A lot of information. We love information these days. We like to know about our golf swings and our smash factor and how we're hitting it and our spin rates and all those things. Yet, there's not really a device that you can just conveniently take with you to the driving range, even if you're hitting in your backyard or indoors into a net. The Raf Soto has solved that problem. The mobile launch monitor works indoors and outdoors. It is awesome. And I'd say the most important part of all this is the cost. It's just $500. Now, when you look at the units that a lot of the PGA Tour and LPGA Tour players have when they're on the driving range, those can cost upwards of $20,000. The accuracy of the Rapsodo mobile launch monitor is within 2% of a $20,000 unit. Now, you do the math there. Makes total sense. The cost of the Rapsodo is just $500, and we are offering a limited-time discount of 50 bucks if you visit Rapsodo, R-A-P-S-O-D-O.com slash grip. That's Rapsodo.com slash grip, and use the code GRIP when you check out. Boom. You'll save 50 bucks. And if you want to listen to somebody that's in the ear of one of the people you listen to every week on this podcast, that's Mark Blackburn, Max's coach and 2020 PGA National Teacher of the Year. He's on the Rapsodo Advisory Board. He does a great job with the company. He's a intelligent, beyond intelligent golf instructor that we both really, really love. And so if you want to hear from anybody, hear from Mark Blackburn, for goodness sakes. But the Rapsodo mobile launch monitor, it's something to easily attach to your golf bag, take with you week in and week out and learn more about your own golf swing. Plus it videos it very easy to share on social media. It's a very easy thing to share. Get some likes, get some people commenting on your golf swing. There you go. Our rap Soto stat of the week, Patrick Cantlay, who won the Memorial tournament presented by nationwide over the weekend, had a driving accuracy of 66.07% and picked up nearly a stroke on the field with his putting. That is your rap Soto stat of the week. We are 20 minutes or so in, and uh, we haven't touched on what happened on Saturday after the round finished, which, uh, which gave you, Max Homa, a better chance uh, at the trophy at the Memorial. But what a wild, I would, can only assume what a wild half hour for all you guys there. John Rahm plays about as good a round, especially that back nine as we'd seen this year on the PGA Tour. Walks off 18, immediately gets told he tested positive for COVID. I mean, everybody's seen the video and seen what floated around after that, but as a player, as a competitor in that, in that world, all of a sudden you're, you kind of have a chance, right? I mean, you're not chasing some guy that's uncatchable. 
What was it like for you kind of seeing what was going on here and what was going on and then having to find a way to click in, know, thinking to yourself, you know, if I shoot 65 or 66 on Sunday, I'm going to have a chance to really win this. Yeah, it was definitely the weirdest thing I've ever been a part of that afternoon on Saturday. I finished up, I get, you know, some texts from somebody uh, and uh, about, you know, just the golf and like how, you know, what, what plan is John Rahm on, you know, like this is, and I, you know, watch the scoreboard uh, here and there. I'm like, what? It's like, how is he doing this? Cause it was hard. Colin played incredible. And I want to give my shout out to him because man, when that guy gets putting good, I mean, it is, it is insane because he already hits it so well and he's got so much game everywhere. But when that putter gets hot, it's crazy. And he is blowing Colin out of the water. I mean, not even close. So I'm just like, man, what planet is this guy on? Everyone's texting me about that. Taylor, Taylor texts me. He goes, dude, is John Rom playing the same golf course we're all playing? I mean, he's 15 under his last two days. And I get a text from my dad and my dad's like, you know, uh, you know, John Rom COVID WD. And I, I thought he was just making a bad joke. Like right. that's the only way anyone's going to catch him or something. And I wrote like, ha ha. Yeah you know, whatever. And then I turned the corner and I saw Colin and Colin looked like he saw a ghost. And I was like, what's going on? And he's on the phone. And he kind of like was like, Hey, don't get too close to me. Like whatever. And I was like, what the hell is happening? And, um, you know, realizing later that, you know, he played with John and, and, you know, he he was going to have to go through some kind of protocol or whatever. I don't know what ended up happening. And then I got to the training room and it's, it's, you know, it's kind of eerie. And Rory was right there. He goes, did you hear what happened? And I'm like, no, and but then I was like maybe I was like you know now I'm starting to piece things together I'm like maybe and he's like dude you know he tells me what happened and I'm like what the hell like this is real and Billy Horschel's there and we're all talking and like everyone looks like you know just like really distraught and it was really discomforting nobody ever once had to happen um, and and it was really odd I don't think you know the PJ Tour uh, you can go into the PJ Tour's policy and say that that's you know, if you don't agree with that, that's where, that's where your gripe would be. But as far as how they handled it, there's not a thing they could have done differently um, in that manner. You can't change the rules for one guy. You can't let him go play by himself. You can't do any of those things. John, I didn't know that John was in the protocol. I didn't know that he had been in contact with somebody. So I was just curious why he was getting tested. So once that came out, I was like, well, yeah, like, I guess he kind of would have known that that's a possibility. It obviously sucks. It might be better for him maybe, you know, that that it didn't happen without like he would have found out at the u.s open and not been able to play right uh had he not taken that test so you know i guess you know in an odd way maybe it did it, it was is a good thing i'm not really sure so but it was really odd uh and then yeah all of a sudden you know i go from you know being 12 back to six back and you're like wow like i have a chance to this and i guess just as you know so many people on social media are just so ridiculous like you guys should withdraw um, you know, you guys should give your paycheck up like this and that. And it's like, that's just not how this works. I, I, we are all conditioned and we've all learned in sport to, you just go out every day and you do your best and, and you just see what that, how that ends up working out for you. And I feel like everybody kind of, even as much as, as disgruntled as we all were, as much as we wanted John to be able to play is like, well, we can't change that at this point. So we need to just go out there and, and play hard. And it's kind of like the thing I mentioned about the tiger uh, you know, car accident and the red and the black and all that stuff. It's like, I, I want to honor in an odd way. I know, I know it's not nearly as severe, but honor, you know, John Rom playing so great by just going out there and competing. Cause I know John would have gone out there and just tried to tear it up on Sunday had something happened to somebody else. So it's just like, it, but it was just odd. It, it was, it's like the nightmare we've all kind of been hoping wouldn't happen. And it did in just such a bad way. 
but uh yeah i mean it's just what what are you going to do you just got to go out there you got to go out there and compete um but look, like regardless of all that that was <laughs> that golf is insane i think everybody knows that how good john is i've played with him a bunch of times uh he's definitely like scov uh joe scover and i always kind of talk about who do you think is the most talented guy like not the best in the world not whatever who do you think has the most like go and we usually land on john really because he really does kind of have everything he's he's the guy that just like it looks so freaking easy and when it's not easy for him he has so much else that helps it like put it together he his short game is ridiculous his ball striking is obviously amazing he hits it super super far He's a good putter, and once it gets going, it just seems kind of like almost unfair in a way. It's it's weird he hasn't had more success in majors yet because like he just seems like he's he can play any golf course in the world just like so so well. Um, so I guess regardless of what happened, obviously the unfortunate um, withdrawal, like his his golf was stupid. He I looked at his stats; he was in first place in three strokes gained <laughs> for the week through three rounds. I've never seen that before. Um, you know, he was gaining like through three rounds like nine shots approached the green or something crazy uh he was like leading and putting or something maybe second i don't know it was it it was bananas so uh i mean i guess the takeaway is you know you can look at this and obviously it's a bummer and 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 he you know probably should have got the win you can't guarantee that but um you know at that point it really felt like he was obviously going to win but also it just is you know he's got money he'll he'll be all right he's going to win plenty of tournaments but um you know it it just does show that all the hype around John is, is very much accurate and, and warranted. And, um, you know, he's a, he's a bear of a golfer, man. He, that guy can do, that guy can do it all. I, I can't believe people are saying that you guys should give your paychecks away or you guys should not oh, accept the results. I mean, you know, Roberto De Vincenzo with the scorecard thing in the 68 masters, it's not like Bob Golby was like, sorry guys, I'm not going to take this dub. Yeah. It's like, that's, the, <laughs> you know, I mean, that is, to your point, is what you said about, you know, the, the bylines and the rules of the PGA Tour is, I mean, they're written and you got to kind of follow them. I, I will say, we live in a time now where, and, and I don't know if it should be changed to this, that like sensibilities should lead over maybe rulings. I thought about this a lot last year with Sophia Popoff, but I, I do give a little credit to the people in charge to say, listen. I know it doesn't make maybe it doesn't make the most sense to you. I know maybe there it could be tweaked going forward, but kind of this is what we have now. And if we start changing rules mid tournament or mid season, then where do we go, right? And so I, I know there are certain instances where we wish we they would, but I got to give them a little bit of credit for at least saying we hear you, we understand what you're saying, but this is what we follow, and this is the way we're going to follow it. A hundred percent. That's the thing is like like I said, you could you could bag on the policy and maybe they haven't like updated it or whatever but um what they did like they they, they clearly fall through they if, if someone made a good point yeah who was i talking i was talking to somebody yesterday i think i was talking to joel yesterday and we were talking about it and it's like if you it might have been joel i don't know i don't want to put words in his mouth maybe it wasn't him but <laughs> if you let him play that would be like saying when somebody got it on monday which is more typical that that person now would be like, well, why couldn't I have gone out and played by myself? Like maybe I would have, you know, played good golf. So it's like, it's just not that it just wouldn't be like, it wouldn't be fair, I guess. Like there'd be so many other instances of like situations where somebody then would feel like they got kind of hosed out of an opportunity. This was obviously worst case scenario because it was so clear cut 
who, you know, who was in the driver's seat right. and all that. But at the same time, like, once I found out that John, you know, was in the protocol and kind of knew this was a risk, like, you know, not saying that, like, you know, oh, here, you know, you, you should have known this was going to happen. But, like, it does become a little less crazy. Um, but at the same time, we were all we were all pretty – I think every player I talked to was pretty upset and mad that he that he had to withdraw. And, like, we understand why, but um, – like nobody wanted that. We we wanted to go chase down 18 under and whatever he was going to get to and see if he can hold on. And if he, you know, obviously gets to 20, it was going to be a nightmare for anybody to catch him, but everybody wanted to, to play the tournament out the way it was. But we also understood that like, that just wasn't a realistic possibility. And unfortunately, like that's just the way it, you know, the world is that that's just the place we're at right now. Um, but Obviously, unfortunate. Shane, I had a blast on the nights I could watching the U.S. Women's Open. Yep. I did not get to watch Sunday. I was on a flight home. Uh, well, I was actually driving to the airport as it finished up. But um, I know you watched that. We were talking throughout the week about how uh, you know cool Sasso's swing is and and how crazy the golf course was. But uh, I you know kind of read through Twitter that you know obviously Lexi had this enormous lead and and it kind of slipped away which seems to be a theme at olympic club but i wanted you to fill me in run me through kind of how the sunday wrapped up i think it went to a playoff so um, i don't know i had a blast watching i was bummed i couldn't watch the the finish but hoping you could clue me in yeah you know it was just you know how you're watching a player battling nerves you know you it's it, it happens more in golf than probably anywhere else but you're just kind of watching a player and you know they're struggling with the moment and it just seemed like it was speeding up for Lexi. She chunks a shot on 11. You know, she's got five-shot lead with, you know, with, with, with nine to go. You mentioned Olympic Club's history. And I'm just watching this thing. And the whole time I'm watching it, it's like chunked iron, make double. Okay, it's not that big of a deal. And then doesn't make a birdie putt. And then makes another bogey. And kind of limping to the hole. They're all missing low. None of them have any speed. But the whole time you're sitting there going, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. She's going to win. This doesn't matter. That third round, do you see any of her third round when she was bogey-free yeah, and played lights out? Yeah. Oh, and, and yeah. she picked up, I think it was like eight eight strokes on the field in that third round, which is the most in a U.S. Women's Open third round since 2012. I think Justin Ray tweeted that out uh, after that third round. And, and I, I wrote on Twitter that third rounds in these majors this year, both men's and women's, were kind of the defining moment. You think about Hideki at Augusta after that weather delay when he came out and was just a stripe show with the irons. Phil, obviously, first 10 holes at Kiowa on Saturday when it looked like he was going to run away with it. Even Patty Tabitanikit, you know, I think she shot 67 on Saturday at the ANA, and that gave her a five-shot lead headed into the final round. So it was just kind of one of these, all right, another Saturday for, you know, the eventual major winner. But, dude, on, on 17 and 18, it just middle of the fairway, third shot, par five, Comes up 15, 20 yards short of the green. Says she hit it great. And then on 18, it's it's 108 yards. And, you know, she hits in the front bunker, which was probably 20 to 25 yards short from the middle of that fairway. And that's such a tough fairway to hit. And then, you know, the, the putt to get into the playoff. It was just – it looked like nervy golf. How long was the putt? I, uh, I saw 12, the putt 12, 12 15 times, feet. I never yeah, it was probably okay, – okay. it was probably – Tweets, it was like five feet. <laughs> no, no, she, you know, she hit it in that front bunker, which is a pretty deep front bunker. She hit a great bunker shot because you know you had to get it out and you have to at least get it to the hole. Now you're going to have that downhill putt, but you can't leave it anywhere short or not get it on the green. So she'd actually hit a pretty good bunker shot, but it was just, you know, it was just mistakes that 
if you watch enough golf or you've been in those moments and and been nervy yourself, which I have done plenty of times, typically it's the it the the hooks start with the swing, and I think you typically start to leave stuff short, and it might be chip shots, and it's a lot of putts, at least in my experience in golf. I mean, is that do you feel like that's fair? Is is short and and kind of quick with the swing typically nervy? Yeah, short short putts, hundred um, percent. You you, it's like you're you're trying too hard. Like you yep. you you're trying to will the thing into the hole instead of just playing golf. Um, I've never had like an enormous lead. I, I kind of would relate it more to like, hey, you're not playing great on a Friday, and you're four or five inside the cut, and you make a bogey, and you're like, oh, we're okay. And you start to maybe kind of change your mindset a little bit instead of trying to gun for the lead. You're kind of now like just trying to get in the house, and it's amazing how quickly. <laughs> You know, like you mentioned, like your misses change and all of a sudden you're guiding your putts a lot more. And it's like, man, what <laughs> what, wait, what was I doing the last 50 some odd holes that, right. that was working so well? I Like, why am I trying so hard not to mess up all of a sudden instead of just, you know, playing how I was playing and accepting, you know, some bad shots instead of being like, well, OK, if I bogey here, that's OK. As long as I par that you just like overthink. And from from, you know, history, like I said, I didn't get to watch this one, but from history, watching people struggle to come in the house that's typically what it looks like and this seemed to be kind of uh, another example well and and it's it's a situation where you know in men's golf I think there's at least a debate for what's the biggest event I mean I think most people say the Masters uh, you know I mean if you did a poll online I think it'd be it'd be the Masters would probably be more than 50 percent but you know you could you could throw Ryder Cup in there you could throw U.S. Open or the other majors Open Championship would get a lot of votes as well just internationally but in the women's side of golf, I mean, it's the U.S. Women's Open, right? I mean, that is the most important event and most important major for those players. And, you know, Lexi's been a part of it for so long that it just felt like that moment. It felt like Michelle Wee at Pinehurst. And you were just kind of – you were just excited for the coronation. You know, a lot of the time those big leads on the back nine are a bit boring. This didn't feel like that was going to be the case because it was just going to be Lexi's moment. She's going to win this major. She's going to do it at Olympic Club. She has this big lead. She's finally going to get it. And I know she's young, but she's played for a long, long time. And for it to slip away, you know, you, you just you just wonder, you know, ahead, let's see what she can do from that type of moment. We did a thing on golf today where we were going through some players that had collapsed in majors and how they basically bounced back right away. I mean, Adam Scott won the Masters the next year after that Open Championship at Litham. Of course, we know what happens with Rory McIlroy after he lost at the U.S. Open. You know, he wins the next major championship by eight and blew everybody away. I mean, even Spieth, I still contend that Spieth was very impressive at Augusta National after what happened at 12. I mean, he birdies 13, birdies 15, flags it on 16, but but the ball stayed up on the hill and he wasn't able to make that putt. But, you know, that's where I always look is like, what's the next act, you know, after something like that happening? But it was tough to watch, dude. I mean, it's, you know, I, we see it happen. It happens in sports. It happens in golf. You know, players choke. People, you know, have those moments where it just, it's it's moving so fast, you don't know how to handle it. And uh, and that was one of those moments with Lexi. And I think most golf fans were bummed. I mean, Yuka Sasso winning was awesome. And it's going to be a big story internationally for golf. I mean, I saw a big billboard up on the side of a building in the Philippines. But for American golf fans, we followed Lexi since she was 12 years old. You know, we, we've, we've been, we've, we've known Lexi, in our lives for basically 15 years, you know, I mean, that's a long, long time. Yeah. It's obviously, you know, it's, it's never fun to watch. I, as someone who plays like the game in an odd way, like to watch it happen at times, not because of not, not because there's a joy in it. Just, I like to be able to then see, as you mentioned, what that person does next. 
um, you know, if it was somebody that, that, you know, we didn't know and, and, and wasn't like a world beater, it would be even harder to watch, I think, because you kind of expect that that would be their chance. In this case, you know, I'm pretty damn sure Lexi's going to have a lot more chances. For sure. Um, and I like to see how the best players in the world, uh, for me, selfishly, like bounce back and, and overcome something. My favorite round of golf I've ever watched was uh, Friday at the Port Rush Open Championship when yeah, Rory played really point. poorly on Thursday and he grinded because you very rarely get to see these super superstars um, care a lot, which is a bad way to say it, but you know what I mean, like where there's a lot of emotion in it. And I know Rory came up short, but I've always wanted to tell him that was the most impressive and cool thing I've, I've really ever seen him do because, that you know, it's, it's not like he was competing really. He was competing against himself a lot more than he was competing to win that golf tournament. So I look forward to seeing what Lexi does next, just to see what she's made of. She's obviously tough as nails. She's is her freaking fifteenth U.S. Open. I mean, this is nuts. <laughs> Crazy. And would I rather her won a hundred percent? But in a weird way, I like to see this as as a fan of sport because um, that's that's the story storyline stuff that I think is so interesting. And and that's how you get to see you know why everyone is a fan of of Lexi is because she's gonna you know, bounce back and, and, and have some kind of big moment, I'm sure, at some point after battling these demons. Maybe it's because I've, I'm somebody who has had to kind of go through the ringer. So getting to see how other people, uh, you know, kind of take that on is, is always interesting to me. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it would have been way, you know, cooler had she won. She deserves it um, in every way. I mean, she's she's been one of the best players in the sport for, like, over a decade. So um, it sucks that that, that happened. But, um, you know, it's kind of a cool challenge now. And, and as a fan of the game, like, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what she does next. Shane, you you did one of the uh, one of my golf dorky thing favorite days of the year. You got to cover the longest day. I wrote Shane's longest day in my notes, uh, which is of it's course true. the Monday qualifier for the U.S. Open. Two uh, thirty six holes for everybody, but it spanned across the entire country. And as many people who listen to this podcast know, there's time zones over here, so time is just it's never ending for you on that day. So how'd that go? That was. That was uh that was something. You were at the studio for what felt like twenty four straight hours. Basically, yeah. You know, you know, uh, our our boss Matt Haggerty had thrown our way. Our, our, so Matt Haggerty's is my boss, and he is a golf nut, and he loves golf. And his brother is trying to qualify in New York and almost qualify. So he came to us a few weeks ago, and he said, you know, we've got golf's longest day. And I said, hey, if Damon's cool with it and everybody else is cool with it. Like, I want to be there from the start to the finish because if it's golf's longest day, like, I'd like it to be my longest broadcasting day. You know, I just thought it'd be a cool thing yeah. to, to throw in there. You know, I mean, I mean, not, this isn't anything to compare, but, you know, Joe Buck does that crazy run where he's doing those NFL games and the baseball games and he's going back and forth. Uh, and, and, you know, I know Jim Nance has that crazy run as well, you know, where he's doing the March Madness stuff and bouncing between that and then going to Augusta National. So I said, you know, let's, let's do all day. So, yeah, our production meeting was 5 a.m., and we were off the air at midnight, so I was basically at work all day. Oh and uh, and we, we had ten hours of live, uh, we had ten hours of a live show. In the last, the we basically we were on from six p.m. to midnight, so six straight hours to end. It's wild to cover that. The first show, like the first two hours, are seven to nine Eastern. You kind of know what you're going to talk about, but those last six hours, you basically don't have a rundown because you are reacting to. What's happening, the playoffs that are going on, the interviews we're getting, the storylines, and diving deeper on some of these players. Uh, we lean heavily on research. Shout out to Kev Casey, who was there in studio with us all day. 
But yeah, it is a it is a bananas day, dude. I mean, that is so crazy to kind of watch from start to finish it all unfold. You know, we did it at Fox a couple of times, but never that many hours on air. And it's funny too because when when it's six thirty p.m. and you realize you got five and a half more hours and you're sitting in that chair, you kind of are looking ahead to twelve, right? But once it ends, you know, it's 1130 and you walk out, you're almost kind of bummed it ended. I, I think it's that team mentality. You know, when you, when you get done playing competitive sports when you're 37 and you're not playing pickup hoops, you know, or you're not, you know, playing hockey or whatever sport people, you know, basically attach themselves to and golf's very individual. You don't get a lot of team moments anymore. I know you feel that a lot with Joe out there where it's a we situation. And I know people make fun of the we a lot, but I know for you personally, and especially you and somebody like Jordan, it is we. I mean, it's you and Joe doing this together. You're hitting the shots, but you guys are a team. To have that team feeling is very, very cool. You know, everybody's exhausted but excited. Everybody's rooting for certain people to get in and get through. And uh, and I do also want to give a shout-out. You mentioned players kind of playing for themselves. You mentioned Rory McIlroy on Friday. I mean, seeing Ricky Fowler out there and to come back the next morning and to kind of still give it a run and he gave it a real run. I was texting with Scob after and said, man, it's cool to see, you know, it's cool to see Ricky playing well again because golf's better when Ricky Fowler's involved. And, you know, a lot of guys would have probably WD'd or at least thought about it. And for Ricky to kind of stick it out and to do that, I, I just, I thought it was a really cool moment because again, it's, it's Ricky Fowler playing golf like Ricky Fowler played golf when he was 13, 14, 15. Yeah, I have this in my notes too. I'm glad you brought it up. I just want to talk about Ricky. Um, Ricky, for you know, a while, even in, in in the middle of his career, or not middle of his career, sorry, uh, the middle of his like you know great run he's had when he was top five in the world or whatever, he got a lot of slack. And and of, of course, you know, everybody's entitled to do so. It's, it's kind of a world where you know everyone kind of gets chirped and heckled for anything, and and it you know we don't take it too seriously. But you know, he gets chirped for being in too many commercials or. You know, he got the thing where I don't know who – I don't think any actual pro votes on this, but they, he was voted the most overrated player and then wins the players the next week. And, again, I, I think this is all kind of contrived by media. But a lot of people, especially on social media, have used him even still with, a, you know, a bit of a – as a, a punching bag and a, and a, a kind of a, a punchline here and there. You know, Nick Fowler doing something I hated more than anything so far this year is basically kind of like poking fun at him doing commercials instead of playing the Masters. And it's just like – and and I don't mean to use him as a, as a, as a negative, cause I love Jason day, but Jason day, you know, has, I know he got hurt, but he was talking about not qualifying for the U S open, not trying to qualify for the U S open in the Monday and just trying to do it with his play. And you know, I get that. that. That's a good motivating factor. But at the same time, you know, everyone has to qualify like that. That's just the part of like it. If you, you don't qualified. get in, right. You, like you qualified because of your yeah. play. Right. Yeah. So, and if you don't, I would have been at that Monday. Right. So it's exactly. like, that's just, if you, that's what you do as, as a professional in your sport. That's just kind of what you do. And he obviously ended up signing up anyways and unfortunately got hurt. So he couldn't do it. But like that, that's the thing is like, you, you, you know, you, you, I, I guess the point is, is Ricky Fowler. I, I know there's a picture going around about him signing autographs after that long day. And that's Ricky. That's who everybody knows Ricky to be. Ricky's probably the best dude that's on the PJ tour. He is an absolute saint, nicest guy on the planet always puts a smile on your face like great dude and I would expect him to do something like that and it was cool that that picture got around so everyone could see but what I want to talk about is the fact that in all these trials and tribulations he's had in the last couple years I'm obviously a bit biased I'm close to the situation that I'm friends with him but I'm really really close with Joe his caddy I 
I've not heard one complaint out of him. I've not heard him one time say that he's going to, you know, withdraw from this or not do this. He's just going to keep doing what he does and grind away. And he's been playing better in the last month or so. And that's good to see, but I I just, it's amazing. It it just proves that anybody will get kind of made fun of and hated on in this game, because if Ricky does, then that means anybody can, because (laughs) he has nothing, nothing bad about that guy. That guy is like a freaking amazing person and amazing professional. And he's who, if you have a kid and you know, you want that kid to be a, someone successful in golf or anything that, that he should look up to Ricky. And that's why it's always fun to see the kids out in orange uh, following around, you know, the professionals and Ricky in particular, because through this whole uh, kind of sour spell he's been on, I haven't heard him in the media say one thing that's even slightly controversial, that's slightly whiny, that's slightly anything. He's just been working at it. And, and, you know, I, I know he's going to be back. He's another one of the guys, you know, when Scott and I talk about as one of the more, talented people in the game of golf that, that we've ever seen. So um, it's nice that he's played a couple weeks well in a row, you know, top 10 at PGA 11th place at the Memorial, uh, obviously only missed by one for the playoff for the um, U S open qualifier, but just wanted to give my uh, a hat tip to Ricky and, and hope people can understand just how special he is as, as a professional golfer and as a, as a guy, because I mean, it just, it, it's gotta be hard for him. He's, he's, probably in the top four most popular golfers in the world and he's not playing to it right now in and and you know that that's hard um his friends he stays with every week are 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 succeeding and and i'm sure it's not easy but he's just going about his business and i referenced earlier when i had you know felt like i had more of a more more i got more credit in the golf community than i deserve based off my play because of like social media or just popularity through you know different avenues it was kind of a weird thing to take in and he's obviously in that boat. I don't know if he can ever live up to how much people love him to his golf game. You'd have to play like Tiger in 2000, essentially. And that's, you know, pretty unrealistic for anybody in the world. So to see him still going about this and, and, and just kind of whittling away and, 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 and grinding away without a negative thing to be said about him, I think, man, I, I really respect Ricky Fowler. I hope, like you said, it's not as fun when Ricky's not playing well. And I'm glad to see him getting back to it. And, and it just... I I have a a ton of respect for that guy. What else you got, Max? Uh, Okay, I got flights. Nice. I got a couple flights, too. Okay, I have one that's not – I didn't know how to fit into a flight, but I feel like (laughs) – You can make your own flight. It's your your podcast. You want to make up a new flight. (laughs) This is my make make my own. (laughs) Yeah, let's just Um, go. I got on my uh, Southwest flight home from – Man of, the, man of the people. And I saw a guy in the front row, and he was in a, a Balenciaga hat. And I looked up how much a Balenciaga hat, and it was like three hundred fifty dollars. And I just there's a joke in there somewhere. <laughs> it just has to be a joke in there somewhere. I know I was trying to I was trying to formulate some kind of joke like you know there might not be first class on Southwest, but this guy doesn't know that. Show it. Show us. Hat. Yeah. Show us you're in first class without showing us you're in first class, and it's if your hat costs more than the ticket. Tell, tell us. Tell us American was sold out of first class seats without telling us American was sold out of first. There's a joke. There, <laughs> yeah. It. That's 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 really really funny. I enjoyed that. Um, I I have I have. A flight i gotta find it on here somebody i asked them for some questions we're going to the long so i won't get too deep into them. oh here it is single putt al uh this is i think this is a the good idea single putt al said maybe too late but would max consider changing a super eagle for three under to a birdie plus eagle a beagle i and he said i know you guys are dog lovers 
I don't hate it, man. I don't hate a beagle for three. Yeah, under. I don't hate that. That's that's good. I like I like that. that that's definitely that's definitely. Well, think be, about it. That could be that could be done. Yeah, for sure. I like that. That's a good single putt out. That was a you know you drained it nice. You got a little one putt in there. That was nice. Beagle, I like that. All right, what else you got? Okay, I got a. Uh, oh, best thing I heard this week. Uh, I got to meet for the first time Jack Nicklaus nice. uh, in person at the golf tournament. Uh, it was pretty funny. The night before, I was at dinner with my wife and Matt Wallace and his girlfriend, Chelsea. And we uh, were on the way out and we saw Jim Nance and we get to talk to Jim Nance for a while. He's super nice. And like, it was just really cool. So we're chatting, whatever. So the next day I walk into the locker room and into the lunch area and I hear uh, this majestic voice, no offense to you, Shane, um, that he, you know, I just hear Max and I look over and it's Jim Nance and he goes, come here. I want to introduce you to somewhere, someone. And, you know, part of me was like, oh, you know, I was kind of had to go. <laughs> I was like, well, it's Jim Nance. <laughs> you got to go. So I walk over there and he, you know, it's Jack Nicholas sitting next to him. He goes, I want you to meet Jack Nicholas. And Jack goes, um, Oh yeah. You know, Max, you know, we met, uh, we met earlier this year and I was like, Oh, you know, I'm trying to be polite, but I was like, no, like we haven't. And, uh, he said, <laughs> did you no, say that? Like the did Honda. you say that? Oh, I said it. Okay. Yeah. I try, I try and, uh, treat everybody <laughs> as similarly as no, I can, Jack, but we didn't. that one, but I was trying to be polite. So I was like, no, we didn't. And he's like, no, we did, you know, at, uh, uh, and there's like a few other of his friends around the table. And he's like, no, we did it. I think it was either the Honda or somewhere. I said, I said, no offense, you know, Mr. Nicholas, but like, I get it. But uh, I definitely would have remembered that <laughs> if I had met you for the first time. Like it didn't happen. And everyone kind of laughed and he kind of laughed. And I was like, I'm not trying to be rude here, but like, I would not have forgotten the first time I met you. Uh, so, but that was cool. But the, the best thing I heard was, you know, Jim was telling him um, how, uh, you know, I'd won Riviera this year and, uh, you know, Jack Nicholas was like, uh, oh yeah. Did you know that that was the first place, uh, I cashed a check on the PJ tour. And I thought that was pretty cool. I said, no way. He said it was for $33 and 33 cents. And we were wondering, uh, somebody at the table brought up, I wonder who got to take like the extra penny for the $33 and 34 cents. <laughs> um, but we were laughing. I thought that was pretty cool. Just kind of a weird, uh, a weird matchup. Um, Lacey is currently bringing in 68 boxes of Amazon. I mean, we need to invite the Amazon guy inside for like water. Give him a water. <laughs> Give him a water. I, I've done it before. I've given I've given FedEx and UPS. Hey, you're having a good year, bro. The Amazon orders are going to continue yeah, to come apparently. in. Uh, I got a feel good Friday. Uh, I got a feel good wait, Friday. So, for wait, so, oh, sorry, sorry. 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 Right, one more because just because off that. So we started talking about that. And he told me, and I never knew this, and I doubt you knew this either. Uh, Back when he was playing in the beginning, he said that 70 people made the cut just like now, but he said only 50 people got paid. So you could make the cut and not make money. Hmm. That's kind of funky. How weird is that? What, what a... Yeah, you make the cut. But he said his first 12 events, he t- top 50, so he cashed every every, uh, I'm sh- I'm every sh- event. I'm, shock- like, I'm shocked by that, by yeah, the way. Shocker. <laughs> what, a, what a shock. So, so there would just be like 15 dudes that would just hang out on Sunday and just uh, nothing. Just, not just, just nothing. Sorry, man. It, hey, this putts to make money. You'd be like, I had one of those on Friday. This sucks. I, I just had one of those. Um I got a feel good Friday. Uh, Sue Key Holly is going to be the first woman to ever play in the Massachusetts Open. There have been 111 Massachusetts Open. She qualified in. And how about this, Max? She's going to be doing it while she's pregnant. She's 20 weeks pregnant. So oh I'm rooting gosh. for I'm rooting for Sue. Let's go. No way. Let's go, Sue. That's crazy. That is wild. Good yeah, for her. So there you go. That's that's my feel good Friday. 
That is awesome. I have a feel good Friday, but it's kind of like I made it up. Okay. Like I made up this saying. <laughs> okay. Wait. So are you? Are you? Are we attributing it to somebody? Did you steal it from somebody, or this is a Max original? No, I didn't steal it. It was just me sitting in an airport. Nice. Board, uh, I have. I have one. I have uh, one so, quote I've made up. So so now now we'll be on the equal playing grounds. Okay. This isn't quite a quote, but I guess somebody you could turn it into one. I don't know. Maybe it's done. Um, so I was sitting in the airport, and this guy walks through, and he's got his, like, service animal with him. And uh, it's a dog. And I was like, oh, man, I, I, lo- I love that dog. Like, what a cute dog in my head, you know. And then I was thinking to myself, I'm like, I was like, why don't, like, I treat, like, more – there's a thousand people around me. Right. And I'm, like, annoyed by half of them. And I'm like, why don't I treat more people like that? Like, I saw this dog. I don't know anything about this dog, but I love this dog. This dog's awesome. I've never not loved a dog I saw. The only time I won't love a dog is if that dog bites at me or my dog right. or my friends for like a metaphor. So I was thinking like, it wouldn't it be good if all of us or better if all of us kind of approached people like that, like, like a dog in the sense that we show love first and then we can kind of retract that feeling based <laughs> off of how they treat us more, you know? So I'm going to, I'm going to try to take that a little bit more uh to my everyday life well so we're so i don't even know if you know this but we're kind of working on like a get a grip store and it's going to be a little bit more active so when we have good ideas like the super eagle or even the beagle now you know we'll kind of have new shirts come out there pretty quickly you know when you get your next win have something themed around that but we can have a shirt get a grip shirt it says treat people like puppies treat Treat humans yeah, like dogs. Treat people like puppies. You know, something like that. I like it. I, I we have to call, we have to call Balionis and ask her if we can somehow get involved in, in that <laughs> yeah, regard. Yeah. We'll donate donate some of it to, to to puppies with golf. But yeah, that's a that's a great point. Actually, I think the same thing. Every time I see a dog, it makes me so happy. I'm in such a good mood. All I think is that I'd love to pet that dog. I say it a lot to people. I'm yeah. sure they think I'm really weird. I do really do say that. By the way, every time I walk by people, I'm like, man, I really like to pet your dog. They probably think, man, this guy's <laughs> such a weirdo. But uh, yeah, it's a great point. Let's live our life like everybody's a puppy. Let's do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I have to, a couple more. Uh, I'll make them quick. Um, best shot I saw somebody hit uh, was pretty much every chip or bunker shot Patrick Reed hit. Uh, we talk a lot about who has the best. Who's the best? Is at it crazy? Part of the game. It is not. I said it a few podcasts ago, and somebody pointed out the stats. I don't care about stats. I even talked to JT about this. Like Patrick Reed's short game is the best in the world. It is. It is. It is absurd, and on the same legs of that, and, and we've had some heckling things go on last week with Bryson. Right. Uh, the worst thing I heard this week is wasn't that exactly, but uh, playing with Patrick on Sunday, a lot of people, not a lot, but a handful of people saying not very nice stuff. I don't just save it. Like treat him like not a making puppy. Much of a point. He doesn't care. He 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 just keeps doing his business. Like I don't like hearing that. I mean, I think the little heckling stuff's okay. You know, we are, it's a sport. Like it's all right, but you know the 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 super derogatory ones if it's not funny i I don't get the point in saying it um and they weren't funny so it's just it's just a waste of your breath so, so that was the worst things i heard this week but um you know it, it was also interesting and cool to watch somebody of his caliber kind of just let it you know roll off the back of his neck and just kind of keep playing um i know some of it has obviously been self uh, right. <laughs> induced but <laughs> at the same time like i mean what you got to you you got to move on or come up with something a little more clever. Hey, hey, what's the meanest thing somebody said to you? Like, have you ever got a really mean thing yelled at you or said to you? I don't think so. I did have this guy once walking off 16 green at the waste management. Uh, I have a picture of my reaction because I gave him a thumbs up, but you don't get to see him. But it's like a sea of people, and everyone was booing me because uh, I was in my Dodgers jersey. 
uh, and I three putt for bogey. Um, but I was walking off and like, it's a sea of people and it's hard to like make anybody, like make out anybody's face like directly, but I end up making like eye contact with somebody and he's in a Patriots Jersey and he is just double flipping me off. So angry. Like you could see it in his eyes. He was like so mad. And uh, I just like gave him a thumbs up. So I was like, this is, this is aggressive. Like, you you want to be like, dude, you're like, you're not, you have the day off. You're outside. You're <laughs> yeah, drinking. Like, like, why are you so mad? It's nice. Like, angry, se- it's like 73. If you're at work and you gave me the double bird driving by, at least I could understand it. But for goodness sakes. <laughs> yeah, you're grumpy. You hey, be grumpy right now. this is impromptu, but you brought up the Patrick Reed thing. So I'm going to throw this your way. And if you don't have answers, that's totally fine. But you said the bunker play from Reed is so impressive. I just want to go through uh, skills on the PJ Tour. And you tell me who has been the most impressive you've seen up close and personal. So you, you're saying the bunker play from Reed. So driving. All short game is bunk, okay. All short game. So so who <laughs> who driving the golf ball is like is the most impressive? Rory, hundred percent. Okay, three wood play like fairway woods. Uh, JT, irons, and it, and I'll split it up if you want to do long and short irons, or you could do the whole thing. Irons, I think. <sighs> irons has to be it's really close between jt and colin but i'm going to give it to colin um it's just it's very it's just the most repeatable thing i've seen i Uh, guess if you went to long irons maybe justin but it's not that far off short irons like if you got down to the shorter irons wedges or whatever like jt's are pretty unbelievable but colin's iron game is it's kind of dumb uh putting any anybody just completely floor you with the putting i always love watching jason day putt it just it's just really <laughs> pure, but the best putter in the world, uh, actually Xander too, uh, shout out the anchoring, uh, or oh, I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to say anchoring, <laughs> the arm lock. <laughs> uh, shout out for him for trying to take a stand. Uh, Proud of Xander yeah, on that. Z- Xander's, Xander's kind of bucking his head a bit, dude. Xander's oh, been, yeah. Xander's yeah, letting man. it fly. I, I, we need to make Xander shirts too, like Xander for president. Man, oh, that guy 100%. is not scared right now. I didn't see this. Pr- I, did, I got to be honest with you. I know you're close to Xander. I know you've hung out with him a lot. I didn't – obviously, I mean, I don't know him. I didn't see this in his personality, but I've been very impressed that he kind of isn't scared to speak up a little bit. I thought I think it's been really cool that he's been no, kind of he this modern scared. voice. Yeah, but the best putter in the world is Denny McCarthy. Okay. <laughs> No one would no one would look that one up, but uh, that's the best putter in the world pretty much every year for the last three years. He, I don't know where he's ranked this year, but the, the last two years prior, I think he led the tour in strokes game putting, which is borderline impossible. So uh, um, that guy can roll the rock. Who's the best person? Who's the best? Who's? I asked you this about basketball the other day, but I'm asking this in general. Who's the best golf person to talk sports with? Like, who's the best PGA Tour player that knows sports, like knows inside out, Fun to have a conversation with somebody you'd like to watch a game with, or you watch games with. Anybody kind of stand out there? Taylor's super knowledgeable. Maybe it's because I've been around him so much, so we do talk a lot. But Jim Herman's my un, like uh, kind of underground favorite person to talk sports with. He follows it really closely and knows like tons about all of it. So that's always fun. Uh, he's also just like the coolest dude <laughs> to play golf with. I've decided. Um, so he he's up there. Every time I play with him, we've talked a lot of sports, and he's he's really knowledgeable. So I like I like talking with him. Um, but it just depends the sport, you know. Some of the guys are, you know, more baseball prone. Like I talk a lot of baseball with. Um, he's a Braves fan, but like J- JT Poston, we'll talk a lot of baseball with him and Aaron Fleener. Um, 
when you talk about like college basketball, some of the guys are really into it. You know, like uh, Adam Long is a huge Duke fan. Um, so he, he, you know, he's fun to talk to and get kind of info uh, from. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, uh, for me, you know, watching a game with Taylor or talking about basketball with Taylor is always really fun. Should we let people know the, the commitment rule we've made? If the Suns make the finals, I'm going to fly out. We're going to go to a game. We, if it was just confirmed, are we, maybe. Are we, are we, are we 100% I'm, in on this? I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a medium maybe at the moment. Okay. It's not fun being a Laker fan here at the moment. I like the Suns, but they're making me not – it's like when I lived up in Northern California. They're making me like them less. But how, how – okay, I, this is the, something I was getting mad at Stamler about the other day. You, because he said he was. I, I'd said something about the Suns, and, and it just because I think it was that tweet. So I'd sent you guys about, you know, the, it feeling kind of like the We Believe Warriors in the sense that the fans are so excited. Like you're a basketball fan, I think they're a lot of fun to watch play basketball. Do you? Do you, are you? Is it just more because you've rooted against them, or is it just more that people are being obnoxious? No, it's the people texting me. Oh, okay. <laughs> it has nothing to do with that. Okay, okay, it's, okay. It's all of my quote unquote friends. It's reminding me that we lost, so then it makes me want to root again. It's so weird. Like, there's no rivalry. I mean, it's like me and you having a no, golf rivalry. Like, I don't have a golf rivalry with you. You know, like that's not. <laughs> there's not a rivalry here. I, I just. For, first of all, if you're a Max friend and you listen to this podcast, can you, for God's sakes, not text him about the Lakers versus the Suns? Uh, because uh, all no, you have so, to say is scoreboard. All, like, there was a chant at uh, Bevy uh, the other night, I guess, that just said, beat L.A., beat L.A., and I like to always remind people that the story of how that got started was uh, I think that the Celtics were losing to the Sixers, and the Sixers were going to the finals. That's maybe right. I messed that up. And they were losing, so they, they're at, at their home court because they weren't going to get to play the finals against the Lakers. They started a chant about, called, you know, beat L.A., beat L.A., and now everyone uses it. And I always like to point out that the whole that that chant was brought up by a team that was losing and wasn't going to get a chance to even play the team. So that's how far in your head like the Lakers have been. So when people were chirping me about the Suns and about how oh, we beat you this and that, I was like you I, yo, I have not been concerned about your basketball team my entire life. <laughs> like I've never thought of coming up with a chant about beating the Phoenix Suns. They've never even kind of bothered me. So it's like <laughs> just save it. Like yeah. leave me alone. I want to root for your team. You you have a nice. Like I live here, I, you know, I live in Arizona. Yeah, I want to root for like this team, but leave me alone team. for my fandom. Uh, I have, by the way, last yeah. thing before we go. Um, I was thinking about this the other day. I want us, I want an athlete to do this, and it's probably going to happen in basketball. I think this is the only sport it really happens in. But I need, I need an athlete to just say in a press conference, "Hey guys, I'm not the MVP of the league." You know, they, we do the MVP yeah. chant a lot. And I, I just – they were doing it for Embiid the other night. I mean, Embiid had an unbelievable season. I think Embiid probably would have won MVP if he'd have been healthy the whole season. But it would be sweet if, like, Booker said, you know, hey, guys, like, I don't need an MVP chant. I'm not the MVP this year. I'm a really you – could, you could chant really good player, all-star. Really top, good player. Really good player. But – I don't need you to say MVP. It's not that ain't me. It's jo- it's the it's Joker. Also, I don't know how Steph only got like third place in that. I don't know. It's, <laughs> he deserves second at, it, at worst. I have I, I have a whatever. I have a whole I have a whole rant we need to go on about how all of these all of these awards <laughs> need to be they happen after the yeah, playoffs. It makes no season the regular yeah. season awards include the playoffs. That's the thing we really really care about. Uh, Max, uh, have a good week. I have absolutely no idea, everybody, if we'll be able to record a U.S. Open podcast. I'm going to guess it's a hard no. I'll be very I'm busy. Gonna I'm going to be out. No. <laughs> I'm going to be in. San, I'm going to be in San Diego. Max is going to be very busy uh, out in San Diego as well. So 
I hope to bump into you, buddy. Uh, if I don't see you, have a great week. Play well. I'm excited to see what you do at Torrey Pines. And uh, we'll check back after the U.S. Open uh, when, uh, when I get back home and we, uh, we have a minute to breathe. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, everybody. Wash your hands. Uh, look forward to talking to everybody after the U.S. Open. Get a Grip with Max Homa and Shane Bacon is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.